Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Epiphany's Podcast, a ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. For more information about our church, you can visit epiphanyligonier.org. Good morning, Epiphany. We are back online this morning after another COVID-19 exposure. I hope this podcast finds you warm and well as the weather turns cold. Uh, You know, this turn to the cold seems to be reviving some of our COVID concerns across the nation, but also in our local communities too. I mean, just just today, you know, Saturday, when I'm recording this note, uh, two separate members of the church sent me emailed prayer requests for people that they know who've contracted the virus. You know, given the increase of the virus transmission in our region, uh, the weight it's putting on the hearts of our community, given our planned annual meeting with Pine Springs and the time we'd be spending t- together, and given my own family's experience with the virus, it seemed right and good to postpone our annual meeting and wait for a negative test from our friend who was exposed before we return to worship in person again. So today we are back online. Now we'll have more information for you this week about our annual meeting plans. Stay tuned to your emails. But I do have a few announcements for the good of the church, which I will share at the end of the service. Um, stay tuned to the end of the podcast for more details. So, my brothers and sisters, on this quick switch Sunday morning, hear this word from God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, this is Jay Springer. Here's a confession of sin today. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, There is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises, declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. This is Jackson Arango. Hope everyone's doing good at home. Uh, Our psalm for today is Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he heard the voice of my prayer, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me, and the pains of the grave laid hold of me. I suffered trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Indeed, our God is full of compassion. The Lord preserves the simple. I was in misery, and he helped me. Turn again to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has rewarded you. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, 
and my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord and the land of the living. I believed, and therefore will, will I speak. I am greatly troubled. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I give unto the Lord for all the benefits that he has done unto me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of all his people. Dear in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant and the child of your handmaid. You have broken my bonds asunder. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the sight of all of his people in the courts of the Lord's house. A reading from Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached towards the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and my clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you gave to me, I will give a full tenth to you. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. When she gets there, she knows if the stores are all closed, with a word she can get what she came for. Ooh, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. So sings Robert Plant in Led Zeppelin's most popular song, Stairway to Heaven. And while the lyrics of the song are famously obscure, there, part of the song's power is this image of a woman who is certain that money and gold will secure her a place in the heavens. 
The song's narrator, however, isn't so sure. He suggests that her stairway actually lies on the whispering wind, and that there's something else at play. There's this feeling he gets when he looks to the west that there may be something more to life than money and gold. It's all very 60s and 70s, isn't it? That there's something beyond the confines of this material, money-grabbing, rat-race kind of world. There has to be something spiritual behind it. Buying and climbing our way to heaven? I mean, that sounds really, you know, superficial and easy and American and materialist. There's a skepticism at play in this song for people who've come to recognize, you know, as the lyrics go, if, that their shadows may be taller than their souls. Um, there's some skepticism at play that, you know, money and climbing the ladder to heaven is something that actually works. In Genesis 28 today, um, we are approaching a story about stairways and ladders that's one of the most misunderstood in the whole of Scripture. And it's the story of Jacob's ladder. You know, we have this concept of Jacob's ladder uh, in uh, our own pop culture in lots of different ways. Uh, there's the title of the well-beloved African spiritual written by slaves in America. You know, we're climbing Jacob's ladder. And, you know, Bruce Springsteen covers that spiritual. And, you know, at first you're like, oh, this is a lot of fun. But then he takes out all the references to Jesus, and, well, it's not nearly so much fun after that. Um, Jacob's Ladder is a model for how many Christians in the early church uh, thought about their growth in holiness. It was seen as a metaphor for the soul getting better. So St. John Chrysostom said this. He said this, And so mounting, as it were, by steps, let us get to heaven by a Jacob's Ladder. For the latter seems to me to signify in a riddle by that vision the gradual ascent by means of virtue, by which it is possible for us to ascend from earth to heaven, not using material steps, but improvement and correction of manners. In other words, John Chrysostom, St. John Chrysostom, saw Jacob's ladder and thought of it as a metaphor for getting to heaven. Uh, by the improvement of our behavior. And even in our own culture, we have phrases like climbing the corporate ladder to talk about growth from the bottom rung of employee to top management. Uh, and so like the woman in the Led Zeppelin song, when we in our culture see a ladder or a stairway, all we want to do is climb. We want to ascend. We want to get better and better. But today, I want to present to you a different vision for the story of Jacob's ladder. There's something that the ladder um, does for a human being, for us, besides giving us a way to climb up things. Ladders are good for more than just climbing up things. There's something else that steps provide for us that is not just a way to ascend higher and higher. And when it comes to the Christian faith, I think this difference means everything in terms of how, of how we understand the work of God in our lives. So let me fill in some backstory about Jacob's Ladder today. Up until today, our story in Genesis has focused specifically on the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Isaac and his wife had two sons, 
uh, they came in the form of twins. They were twin brothers. And they seemed destined to fight from the very beginning. The older twin, the one born first, Esau, he was destined to take over the family business and inherit a large chunk of his father's estate. But he was impulsive, and he married ungodly women, and he gave up his firstborn status in exchange for a mediocre bowl of soup. The younger twin, Jacob, was conniving and deceitful. Not only did he swindle his twin brother Esau out of his firstborn child privileges, but he also deceives his father into stealing that status. He puts on an Esau costume. He puts on a costume of his brother at his father's deathbed to trick his father into giving him this blessing. And his father gives the blessing to the wrong child as a result of Jacob's deceit. And so, you know, to no surprise for anyone paying attention, this family is quickly falling apart. And it's getting so bad that big brother Esau is seething with murderous intent. We're about to have Cain and Abel repeating itself here uh, later on in the book of Genesis. Esau says, look, as soon as my father dies, I am going to kill this little brother of mine for all his trickery and deception. I'm going to murder the punk. You know, that's one way to get your birthright back, you know. Kill the brother who tricked you out of it, and so you would be the first born again. Uh, so the boy's mother is sitting there and, and witnessing all of this, and she concocts a plan. Let's send Jacob away to go find a wife. And let's send him far away, where he won't find any ungodly woman, like here in our backyard. But also, let's send him far enough away so his brother won't murder him. And so Jacob's parents do. They send Jacob away to the region uh, we now know as Turkey. Uh, in, at the time, they called it Haran. And you're talking about a 600-mile journey from modern-day Israel north to Haran and Turkey to go find a wife from a tribe of some distant relatives. That way, one brother doesn't die by murder, and the other brother isn't executed for himself being a murderer. You both get to keep your lives if Jacob goes away for a while. And that's where our reading picks up. Jacob is on his journey of 600 miles, and the sun is setting. And so Jacob lays down for the night. He finds himself a comfortable rock for a pillow. He conks out, but he has a wild and vivid dream. Here's what the text says. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. In this dream, Jacob has a glimpse of the spiritual reality around him, a ladder between heaven and earth, and God's angelic foot soldiers going about God's business. And he doesn't just passively witness this miraculous spectacle. God speaks to him from the top of the ladder. He speaks to Jacob from the dream with a word specifically for Jacob. And here's what God says. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. 
And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. You'll remember some of this language, friends, if you've been with us as we've been going through the book of Genesis together, that these are words that sound very familiar. Constant companionship, offspring innumerable, blessing to the world, roots in the land of Canaan. These are the same words that God spoke to Abraham and Isaac before, Jacob's father and grandfather. There is a shift in the narrative now. In the same way that God had orchestrated the passing of the baton from Abraham to Isaac, now God is facilitating the baton passing from Isaac to his younger son, Jacob. So this is big news. God has indeed chosen to work with Jacob, the younger brother with dubious moral fiber, instead of Esau, the impulsive and reckless firstborn brother. And the blessing that Jacob wanted from his father, right? The blessing that he put on a costume to swindle from his father? Well, there's no costume involved here. He receives from God the blessing that he so desperately wanted from his father. So how does Jacob respond to this? How does he respond to, to being passed the baton for the next relay of God's promises? Well, he turns his rock pillow into a rock monument, and he marks the place as special and gives it the name Bethel, which is Hebrew for house of God. And he makes a vow. He makes a vow in our reading. He says this, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Remember Jacob's circumstances here. He has enraged his older brother, he has deceived his father, and his mother's only solution to helping him is to send him 600 miles away under the auspices of finding a spouse. He's alone on this journey, which is dangerous. He is functionally broke. He is without his family to support him at a time in history when family was the support network you could uh, count and hope for to, to, to lean on in tough times. And truthfully, Jacob has played a pretty major role in fracturing the family's bonds to force this issue. Jacob is broke. He's defenseless. He's functionally exiled. He's on his own. And so he receives this baton of God's promises with gratitude. Well, God, if you protect me when I'm defenseless and feed me when I'm penniless and clothe me when I'm naked and you bring me back to this land that I am functionally exiled from, sure, you will be my God and I will tithe to you. I will give 10% of everything that comes to me and I will set it aside for the purpose of God's work. Um, this is a word of trust. It's a word of acceptance. It's an act of faith for Jacob to say, okay, God, if you're going to take care of me like this, I will follow your lead. You are the boss. And so contrary uh, to popular usage, what we don't see in this story is a, is a story of Jacob ascending the ladder. 
Um, Jacob is not climbing this ladder. He doesn't really do anything at all. He doesn't make any initial heavenward um, uh, gestures. He's sitting there going to sleep for the night. Uh, the vision of activity in the spiritual planes has nothing to do with Jacob's reforming his manners or feeling like he's going to be better. Um, it's not Jacob's climbing of a corporate ladder or buying his stairway to heaven. That's not what we see in our vision. You see, ladders and stairs are for more than just going up. They can also be used to go down. Ladders and stairs, you, you can use them to go up, but you can also use them to go down. And this story is not about Jacob going up, but it's a story about God's blessing and God's provision and God's grace coming down the ladder to Jacob. This is a story of God's one-way love coming down the ladder of heaven to a person who didn't not only not deserve it, but he deserved its opposite, in fact. God met this deceptive, cheating, morally questionable exile traveling alone in the wilderness using a rock for a pillow and says to him, Good news! I'm your God, and I'm going to get you through this. Jacob did nothing in our story to receive that grace with any merit. And so I agree with Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin on this point. It's very material, and it's very non-spiritual, and it's very worldly, and it's very American to think that the way we get to God is to climb a ladder. Or, or find and walk up the stairway to heaven, or climb a mountain, or to go up. It's human intuition to think that might be the case, but it's not necessarily a divine revelation. It's not what the scriptures tell us. Because if we are going to sort of climb the stairway to heaven to get closer to God, well, we might as well just be Scientologists. Right. Do you know Scientology, this, this fake cult religion that's made up of of um, a lot of famous actors like Tom Cruise and others, made up by sci-fi author L. Ron Hubbard. Um, here's what Scientology is. It's this thing, right? Uh, step one is you take this big personal inventory that's like got 24 parts to see how you're doing. And then you work, you, you do the spiritual work. You climb the ladder and you do the stairs to take those 24 parts of yourself and prove them until you achieve a state that's called clear. And if you are clear in Scientology, it means you are free from anxieties and fears and worldish, worldly burdens. But, but once you're clear, once you've cleared yourself, there are then 15 levels, 15 rungs, 15 stairs that you climb um, called being an operating Phaeton, which is, you know, that's their language, not mine. Um, and you climb each level to be a level one Phaeton or a level two Phaeton all the way up. And each class to get there costs tens of thousands of dollars to take. And the goal is that once you reach uh, level 15 of Operating Thetan, um, you can cross the bridge to total freedom. And then you can, you've worked the Dianetic steps to do it. Um, you are climbing a stairway to heaven uh, if you are a Scientologist. That is part of the religion. And what makes Scientology such an awful cult can be a part of uh, what makes it so terrible is that each step of the ladder that you take costs so much money. And each test that you take and each course and each lesson that you take costs so much money 
tens of thousands of dollars and you have to spend all of your time working on this project friends right your family uh, and your friend groups those are ancillary to the goals of scientology according to one ex-scientologist someone who was higher up in the church she said that higher up members of the church would shell out a quarter of a million dollars over the course of 20 years to try and reach the highest levels of the stairs of the operating thetans to make it to the top of this cult. And they would take out mortgages on their house. They would leave their friends and family behind. And all of this was in the name of climbing the stairway to heaven, of ascending the ladder to the heavenlies. And so if we're going to talk about heaven being a, a way, the, the way you get to heaven be go, to go up, if that's what we're going to talk about, um, then we might as well just be Scientologists. Because at the very least, they're putting all their effort and money into it. A friend of mine observed recently that the pandemic has affected our language. For many people, before the pandemic hit, you'd say, how you doing? And they'd answer, busy. And that's a very American answer. We are busying ourselves. We are trying to climb our stairs. We are trying to climb our ladders. We are busying ourselves, ascending our way heavenward, so we think. And so when the pandemic arrives and we're trying to keep climbing, um, but we have to work at home with less than stellar internet connections. And we're trying to make our way to heaven, but we have to manage our children who are home from school. And then we have to take all of our meetings online through Zoom. And then we have to postpone all of our social engagements and birthday parties and the like. Or we have to cancel our church service and <laughs> our annual meeting at Pine Springs and go back to a podcast service. My friend noticed that our language had shifted now when people ask how we're doing, the answer is not busy. The answer is exhausted. How you doing today? Oh, I'm exhausted. For many people, you see, they're continuing to climb the ladders of their lives. They are trying to ascend the, stat the, the stairs of their lives during this COVID season, but the virus has made all of that impossible. And so if we were going to climb our way to heaven, uh, we're gonna end up like the Scientologist, bankrupt and lonely. And then we're going to end up like people who've been continuing to work so hard during COVID. We're going to end up um, exhausted and tired and um, despondent because the stairway to heaven, as it's commonly understood, is more like a merciless hamster wheel of demand. And if you are going to run the merciless hamster wheel of demand, you're going to be met with exhaustion and disappointment. And it's going to take everything that you love and it's going to leave you drained of any energy and motivation. And here's the important part. You will never actually get to heaven. But when heaven comes down to earth, when God descends the ladder, we get the opposite. We gain that which is loving. We are blessed with love and purpose and motivation. We get a little slice of heaven for ourselves and, and, you know, that's what Jacob receives in our reading today, right? He's exiled from his family. He's broke as a joke. He's fearful for his life. Maybe he can go find a wife. He doesn't have money for a dowry. And his whole life is falling apart. His support system is gone. And God meets him. And Jacob is given the opportunity to exhale. <sighs> because for Abraham's sake, for the sake of Abraham that God made promises to, you know, 15 chapters ago in the Bible, God says, Jacob, I'm going to look out for you. 
you have the assurance that under my watch, everything is going to be okay. Now, fast forward 1,400 years, right around the year 30 AD. Um, there's a story that the Bible records uh, in John chapter 1 about a skeptical guy named Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree somewhere in the region of Galilee. And he's hanging out and he's minding his own business when his brother, Philip, comes up to him. Nathaniel, says Philip, we found the Messiah. It is Jesus of Nazareth. You have to come meet this guy. He is the one. And Nathaniel's like, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, what, what good comes out of Nazareth anyway? You know, like Jesus of Nazareth, you kidding me? And Philip is pestering him. Come on, you have to meet him. You have to meet him. So Nathaniel says, okay. And he gets up and he goes to meet Jesus. And, you know, while he's still a long way off, uh, Jesus sees Nathaniel and Nathaniel sees Jesus and they make eye contact. And Jesus says, hey, Nathaniel. Hey, everybody, it's Nathaniel. He is the real deal. Here's an Israelite who doesn't take anything from anyone. Nathaniel's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You don't know me. And Jesus says, I know all about you. Like how you were just chilling under a fig tree a few minutes ago before you came to see me. And Nathaniel's jaw hits the floor. Kadunk. You know, how could Jesus have possibly known that? Nathaniel says, Jesus, you are the real deal. You are the son of God if you know things like that. And do you remember how Jesus responds? Do you remember how Jesus responds to this claim? Uh, it's, it's the very last verse of John chapter 1. Jesus says, well, Nathaniel, huh? you think that's cool? Well, stick with me, kid, and you're going to see a lot more. In fact, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus says to Nathaniel, you think me knowing you were under a fig tree was cool? Stay tuned. Stick with me, kid. Because one day you are going to see Jacob's ladder. You're going to see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You are going to see Jacob's ladder. And sure enough, three years later from the start of his ministry, Jesus will humble himself to death on the cross. A key part of his great descent down the stairway from heaven. The Son of God starts in heaven and, and comes to earth and takes the form of a human and takes on the form of a baby and takes on the form of a servant and a slave and he submits to death and then he descends to the dead. Jesus Christ is literally the descending God, the God who comes down the ladder to us. One might even go so far as to say that Christ himself is Jacob's ladder the bridge between heaven and earth that is the channel through which God's mercy and blessing descends on undeserving people below. And I'm here to tell you this morning, friends, that if you understand that Jacob's ladder is about blessing and descending down from heaven onto a man of, of questionable morals and repugnant manners, then you will see the gospel of Jesus Christ manifesting itself in Jacob's Ladder today, in Genesis 28. It's a reflection of what Jesus himself proclaimed to Nathaniel, that the, the ladder between heaven and earth is for God's blessing to come down. But if you think that Jacob's Ladder is something that you climb to find heaven for yourself, if you think that 
each rung along the way is there for you to climb and you're just going to keep getting better all the time as you get closer and closer to heaven. You're going to end up exhausted and broke and despondent and disappointed. And so as we wind on down the road, our shadows taller than our souls, we can wind down the road in peace. Because while you cannot buy a stairway to heaven, through his death and resurrection, the Son of God has bought one for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. This is Bud Carnes, and would you join me in saying the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. This is Candy Springer. Would you pray with me, please? O God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin, put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins. Banish our fears. Make us bold to praise you and to do your will and steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we entrust all who are dear to us, especially those on our church prayer list, to your never-failing care and love for this life and the life to come, knowing that you are doing for them better things than we can desire or pray for. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, almighty and merciful, you heal the brokenhearted and turn the sadness of the sorrowful to joy. Let your fatherly goodness be upon all whom you have made. Cheer with hope all who are discouraged and downcast. And by your heavenly grace, Preserve from falling those whose poverty tempts them to sin. Though they be troubled on every side, suffer them not to be distressed. Though they are perplexed, save them from despair. Grant this, O Lord, for the love of him who for our sakes became poor, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge of and love of you. For the honor of your name, amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplications to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will grant their requests. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant these our prayers for Jesus Christ's sake, our only mediator and advocate, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let's conclude our time together with this prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you've made. We bless you for our creation and for our preservation and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, and for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth our praise to you, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. And friends, glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Here are a few quick announcements for the good of the church as we close our time together this week. At the diocesan level, I wanted to share with everyone the news that Bishop Martin Minns, one of the founding bishops of our province, will be coming alongside our diocese over the season to come as our interim bishop. I thought I would play a quick greeting for you that he gave to the diocese at our convention Zoom meeting last weekend. Here's the audio. Hello. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As you've just heard from Archbishop Foley, I've been asked to serve as interim bishop for the diocese over the next few months. And while I'm grieved by the circumstances that have brought this about, I'm honored to be able to serve you in this way. Now, of course, I won't do this alone. Not only do I have the Holy Spirit, I also have my secret weapon, Angela, my wife of 56 years, and my favorite acolyte, uh, my daughter, Rachel. And we're looking forward to getting to know you uh, and being with you in best we can and during this strange season. Uh, but be assured of our love and of our prayers and we are looking forward to seeing what God has in store for all of us. Amen? Amen. So, for our future services, we will be praying for Bishop Minns and our standing committee as they keep the home fires burning during our uh, election process for our next bishop. Now, for our local business. 
uh, here are a few dates that I would like to have shared with you today as part of our annual meeting. And they're important dates to go ahead and put on your calendars now, so I will share them with you. And of course, all of these dates are Lord willing and COVID willing, of course. Uh, for Epiphany's holiday planning, uh, here are some dates for your calendar. Date number one is December the 5th. December the 5th. That is the day that uh, we at Epiphany are scheduled to ring the bell alongside the Salvation Army outside our local Giant Eagle in Ligonier. Uh, Grace Carnes is scheduling bell ringers for our shifts. If you would like to join in on that day and call dibs on a particular hour, you can let her know. Uh, Grace Carnes is organizing our Salvation Army bell ringing uh, schedule for Saturday, December 5th from the hours of 9 to 5. Date number one, December 5th, Salvation Army. Date number two is our Angel Tree distribution, toy distribution program, which is also in partnership with the Salvation Army, and that's going to be Saturday, December 12th at 9 a.m. That's December 12th at 9 a.m. We are going to do our distribution of the toys for uh, the families who are struggling this year to provide for the kiddos. And so if you can help us distribute toys and food to families in need throughout the Ligonier Valley, uh, in a COVID-conscious way, of course, please let Terry Toscano know. Terry is organizing uh, that um, program. And so uh, get in touch with Terry if you can help us uh, distribute toys for struggling families on Saturday, December 12th at 9 o'clock a.m. Finally, the last date for your calendars is going to be Sunday, December 20th, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, why I'm marking that date in particular for you now, you can put on your calendar, is that evening uh, will be a night service. We are going to have a service that night at 6 o'clock p.m. And it's going to be our longest night service. Now, a longest night service, sometimes called a blue Christmas service, it's a special service held for those um, every year who've had a uniquely tough year over the past year. And it may be the first holiday for some families in our, our region after they've lost someone from COVID, after someone in their family has died. And it may be the first holiday that families can't go visit or be with their loved ones. And it may be the first Christmas where uh, families are experiencing financial difficulty. And so this service is designed to preview the hope of Christmas for anyone struggling. And so we're going to observe our regular Sunday service that evening as a part of that outreach event. So. Uh, to help our community, to provide a space for people to come and meet with Jesus during a difficult season, we are going to observe a 6 o'clock evening service on Sunday, December 20th, the first Sunday of Advent. So those are the three dates to put on your calendar. We're going to ring the bell on December 5th, Angel Tree Toy Distribution on December 12th, and Longest Night on December 20th. And we'll talk more in detail about our holiday plans when we gather next and have our annual meeting. So stay tuned to your emails. My hope is to reschedule our annual meeting at Pine Springs Camp for another Sunday. Our friends at Pine Springs are more than willing to be flexible with us in that matter. In the meantime, God bless you all, and I sincerely hope to see you in person next week. Pennsylvania.